following is a paid program on 630 WLAP. This is the Tom Dupree Show on News Radio 630 WLAP and WLAP.com. Welcome to the camp. I guess you all know why we're here. My name is Tommy, and I became aware this year. If you want to follow me, you've got to play pinball. And put in your earplugs, put on your eye shades, you know where to put the cork. Okay. That was last hour. But that's good. That's very good. Picked it up. Back on the Tom Dupree show for the second hour with Adarsh Mashru. Adarsh, welcome. How are you today? I'm doing good, Tom. Thank you. Good. Um, in this hour, we discuss things having to do with the economy and the stock market. Uh, at Dupree Financial Group, we manage assets for our clients primarily in order to produce dividends. Uh, we invest typically for retirement. And so, uh, that is what we're discussing. We, we like to discuss issues surrounding the investment markets and how they might impact our clients. So Adarsh, this week, uh, Walmart made a big jump, uh, I think on Thursday, um, the stock went up something like, uh, 10% said that sales rose at the fastest rate in over a decade as the world's largest retailer continues to draw more people to stores and benefit from strong consumer spending boosting performance at many retailers. Now, we don't own Walmart. That's not one of the shares that we own. We've looked at it a number of times. But I think this is a big surprise to a lot of people that they had such a great quarter. Right. And you know, I, I think this goes to show just how strong uh, the economy is right now. When uh, Walmart, which really represents, um, you know, to in, in some ways it's a reflection of how well the economy is doing because Walmart is a big three hundred billion dollar company. It's also a company uh, whose stores are uh, quite ubiquitous you know they're everywhere uh, not just in in bigger cities but also rural areas so to me in a lot of ways walmart represents uh you know the entire country uh, or is a reflection of uh, how the economy of the country is doing and the fact that they reported such strong numbers goes to show how strong uh consumer sentiment is right now uh how good people feel about, uh, uh, you know, the job market. And uh, I think it's a great sign of uh, how well things are, are going. The article here says that customers tell us that they feel better about the current health of the U.S. economy as well as their personal finances. 
said Walmart chief executive Doug McMillan in an earnings release. They're more confident about their employment opportunities. That corresponds with trends reported by other retailers as well as industry-wide trends. The Commerce Department said on Wednesday that July retail sales, a measure of spending at U.S. stores, rose 6.4% compared with the previous year. That's a big number. Right. Now, we don't own Walmart. Uh, instead of Walmart, we chose Costco. Uh, you might want to talk a little bit about why we did that. Yes. Yeah, so, you know, unlike Walmart, uh, Costco is uh, a, a membership-only uh, uh, retail store. So you have to be a member to shop at Costco. Uh, and Costco is... Unlike Walmart, also a company that's that's growing quite, uh, I wouldn't say very rapidly, but it's growing. So every year, Costco is uh, uh, building thirty stores, right. whereas Walmart is, you know, closing stores. Walmart has been through a a period where they've had to shut down a lot of stores. In fact, they shut down one in Lexington just recently. Uh, Costco also has uh, products that people love you know anyone who shops at Costco tends to uh, kind of get hooked uh, and also when you compare uh, you know a metric that uh, we look at uh, sales per square foot uh, Costco has two times the sales per square foot as Walmart does a thousand dollars whereas Walmart is about five hundred dollars which means that in every square footage of space uh, Costco sells more product so it's a very efficient well-run business that's growing uh that has a great balance sheet and uh you know it's got uh, we think a, a very strong moat so that's why we chose costco do you think that this um you think that they will show uh equally strong numbers to walmart uh when have they reported yet uh Yes, Costco has reported, uh, and um, their numbers were quite good when they last reported. Uh, I, I think part of the reason why Walmart did what it did was because the stock has been beaten down for some time, so it, it dropped all the way to, uh, in this year itself, it dropped to the mid-70s. Uh, so it's a stock that had not been going up, whereas Costco has been uh, doing well for quite some time, so... I don't know if uh, you know it'll go up like Walmart did, but uh, uh, it's not gone down as much as Walmart, and right. uh, it's growing quite rapidly. So uh, it, it's just a great company. Yeah, yeah, it, it has been growing quite rapidly. Um, Walmart is closing some stores. They 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 just closed the store here in Lexington on Richmond Road. So. It's a more mature business than Costco. Uh, they've they've been around longer, and they've had to close several stores that are not profitable. Yes, and you know, at some point, they had to ask themselves. They got a new CEO, and uh, you know, they had to change their strategy. So, you know, they started investing a lot in uh, online because Amazon became a big competitor. Not only that, but they started buying other uh, websites. They bought Jet.com, 
they bought a few clothing high end clothing brands like uh, Bonobos. Uh, so they've had to uh, change how they how they do things. Costco, on the other hand, has the same strategy that they've had. Uh, they're really not. You can buy stuff online if you want. If you're a Costco member, uh, in fact, there are a few products where you don't even have to be a member. Some Kirkland products that you can buy online, but uh, Costco has, you know, had the same strategy. They are uh, not deviating from their uh, core strategy because it's working. Yeah. Uh, and they are also, you know, Sam's Club, which is somewhat similar to Costco, is owned by Walmart. Uh, but Costco is uh, much better uh, run and is doing much better operationally than Sam's Club, too. Right. So this week, uh, Donald Trump tweeted that he thinks it would uh, be better if companies did not report their earnings each quarter. Then, uh, and, and he's talking about going to once every six months. Um, it sounds like a good idea, but do you think in practical terms it, it would ever happen? Yeah, so, you know, previously in the last few months, Jamie Dimon, who runs uh, J.P. Morgan and Warren Buffett, they've talked about this, although they were not talking about not reporting every quarter. They were talking about just not forecasting uh, every quarter for the next quarter. Uh, the counter argument to what uh, Donald Trump is proposing is uh, that that diminishes uh, uh, transparency where, you know, if they report once every six months, then it's hard to know what, what happens in the interim uh, period. But uh, it would save companies' time and a lot of expenses, you know, that's the argument for doing that. Uh, and some companies say that because they are under so much pressure to keep reporting every quarter, they are not able to make long-term decisions. You know, they are forced to make short-term decisions in order to please investors right. every three months and analysts. So um, Europe... Uh, they last year or 2015, uh, I can't remember. They uh, they did put in a measure where companies are not required to report every three months. They can report every six months, but I think a lot of European companies still choose to report every three months just because they have a lot of American investors, and American investors are used to right. finding out what's happened every three months. I don't think it would change very easily because so much uh there's such a big uh mechanism around three months reporting uh companies like cnbc and fox business and and the wall street journal they're all geared up to to follow quarterly reporting and uh the companies themselves have uh people inside the company that work on that quarterly schedule and have been doing it for a long time. Right. I'm not sure you can just easily change all that. Yes, it's definitely not going to be easy. Um, I, I think if they give companies an option where they can report three months or six months, you know, maybe some companies might choose to report every six months. Uh, Tesla is one company. Uh, we can talk more about that, but they've been contemplating going private just because they feel that uh, 
this three-month reporting, very short-term reporting, uh, makes uh, creates a lot of misunderstandings about what the company is doing, uh, and you know, analysts and investors are not looking at the long-term picture. Um, so, if companies are really uh, under duress because of having to constantly report, you know, they could choose to go private. Right. Tesla is thinking about. Yeah, let's talk about that when we get back from the break. This is the Tom Dupree Show. It's News Radio 630 WLAP. It's about what matters. I want the government out of my life. It's about what's important. I got something serious to say. It's about life. life. It doesn't matter what side you're from. Join the conversation. What matters is what you say, the truthfulness behind it. On News Radio 630 WLAP. Hi, I'm Tom Dupree, Jr. Our firm, Dupree Financial Group, has been engaged in the management of retirement investment accounts of our clients for nearly 14 years. My personal time in the investment business spans 40 years. We bring experience to the table in managing your retirement dollars. If you would like a seasoned and experienced manager to handle your investment portfolio, then give us a call. To schedule a complimentary review of your retirement investments, call Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400 or send an email to info at dupreefinancial.com. Also, be sure to listen to the Tom Dupree Show Saturdays at 7 a.m. at News Radio 630 WLAP. That's Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400 and DupreeFinancial.com. 630 WLAP. There's a tribute to the late, great Aretha Franklin. Good thought there. Back on the Tom Dupree show. Elon Musk vows to remain at helm of Tesla after excruciating year. Elon Musk has described how an excruciating year at Tesla has weighed deeply on his personal life and health, but vowed to remain as chairman and chief executive. In his first interview since setting off a firestorm, with a tweet about taking the company private. After more than one week of intense scrutiny, an emotional Mr. Musk told the New York Times that no one had seen or reviewed the tweet in which he said he had secured funding to take Tesla private before he posted it. Mr. Musk described 120-hour work weeks, days spent inside his factory, and reduced contract with his children and friends. This past year has been the most difficult and painful year of my career, he said. It was excruciating. The Tesla boss acknowledged that the board had explored recruiting a deputy to take on some of the responsibilities, but was adamant that he would remain in his job. So, you know, uh, Elon, we don't own Tesla, by the way. It's not a company we own, but we do follow it. Because you're crazy not to. <laughs> it's so exciting. And uh, Musk has tried to do a whole lot of things 
Um, the company has had some issues with uh, quality um, and keeping up with the amount of cars produced that they said they were going to do. Um, but at the same time, they're still here. And um, he actually talked about taking the company private, meaning buy all their stock off the, off the market at $420 a share. So I don't know what to think of it. What do you believe? Well, so personally, I'm a big fan of Elon Musk. I think he's a visionary. There's very few visionaries. Jeff Bezos at Amazon, he's a visionary. I think Elon Musk is the same in the sense that... Uh, They're both know, into space exploration also. Y- yes, they are, yes. Uh, and a lo- lot of different things, you know. Tesla was, you know, really a, a novel idea you know it's been around for some time i mean people have talked about you know electric cars but elon musk really you know came out came up with you know an electric car that performs well that's comfortable that's nice to look at um so he's got this great vision um and uh, in fact he was also behind uh, paypal he was one of the founders of paypal uh, so quite an entrepreneur, um, but he is also, uh, you know, I, I guess you could call him eccentric. He's not your standard, you know, CEO type. Um, so he likes doing things his way, which is hard to do when you're a public company and have shareholders to answer to. Elon owns 20% of Tesla and 80% is owned by you know, other investors. But uh, he's been able to uh, get away with his uh, quirks just because, you know, without him, Tesla would not be what it is. Um, And uh, he's been under tremendous pressure. Uh, Tesla has not met its production targets, although the last report that came out did say that they've met that target of 5,000 uh, model threes every month, um, and uh, I I think you know even if it goes private, uh, a lot of uh, investors will stick with it because a lot of investors believe in Elon Musk and uh, his vision. But maybe you know he needs to. Uh, uh, I, I guess if they do remain public, pay more. Uh, heed to uh, the investor community because at the end of the day, 80% of this company is owned by outside investors. In last quarter's conference call, he had to apologize for the previous quarter because he just made fun of analysts on the call. <laughs> Evidently, he's PO'd at the short short sellers. He <laughs> is, yes. And uh, the SEC just started an investigation. Tesla was down like 9.5% yesterday. And they're investigating to see if that tweet was meant to uh, cause uh, distress, you know, or short covering uh, because the stock did run up once it was announced that he was thinking of taking it private. Uh, But uh, he's got a strong case because he, you know, if there was talks going on behind the scenes, if funding was secured, like he said, then he just disclosed what was happening. So I I don't know if he really uh, broke 
broke any laws. Um, it's possible that he did. Yeah, it, it is possible. Um, I, I just don't know. I mean, they, companies have gotten into trouble with the SEC. Usually they end up paying a fine if a law was broken. Right. So I, I don't know if this is something that breaks the company. Uh, I doubt it. It seems like uh, he seems like his hands are, are too full, you know, for what he's trying to do. He does need more help. He does. So Tesla needs maybe a chief operating officer or uh, they don't have a chief operating officer or, as they mentioned, uh, a deputy, someone who, you know, can shoulder some of those responsibilities. But that's that. That's hard, you know. Someone like Elon Musk, who's an entrepreneur, visionary. Sometimes these people just don't work well with others. No. And that's the problem. That was the problem with Steve Jobs and yes. Apple. Yes, yes. And he was another visionary. Uh, you know, so there are people like Musk and Steve Jobs and Jeff Bezos who've, you know, created these great companies. And... Uh, they are eccentric, but sometimes, you know, the investor community, uh, I don't know, does not like that. Uh, right. Well, they have a hard time putting putting it in a in a peg. Uh, right. When, uh, you know, when he says something, um, they don't know what to make of it because he's not like your normal right. CEO. Right. The normal CEO just probably doesn't own that much stock in the company and uh, just is saying things to go along with the investor community. Right. Musk doesn't care about it that much. He, he wants to be uh, eccentric, sometimes almost for the sake of being eccentric. Right, right. I mean, he's got this idea and, you know, he's working towards his idea and he right. just does not want people questioning yeah. his idea. Stay with us. It's the Tom Dupree Show, News Radio 630 WLAP. The Polaris factory authorized clearance is here. Rebates go up to $2,000 and financing is as low as 2.99% APR for 36 months on hardworking Rangers, legendary sportsman ATVs, and high-performance Razors. Now's the time to get the year's biggest deals on the world's best-selling off-road lineup. Offers valid in U.S. through 93018 on select new 2015 through 2019 vehicles, subject to credit approval. Offers vary by model. See dealer for details. Always wear a helmet. Never drink and ride. Labor Day weekend at Rupp Arena. Hardy's presents Red, White, and Boom 2018. August 31st through September 2nd. Starring Toby Keith. Brad Paisley. Chris Young. Jake Owen. Cole Swindell. Luke Combs. Kane Brown. Rodney Adkins. Single day tickets are on sale now at all Ticketmaster locations. And Ticketmaster.com. Hardy's presents Red, White, and Boom 2018. Powered by Friends of Cole. Go to redwhiteandboom.com. Win your way to our 2018 iHeartRadio Music Festival. Justin Timberlake, Fleetwood Mac, Mariah Carey, and so many more. Two nights on one stage. Hosted by Ryan Seacrest, September 21st and 22nd at T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. Sponsored by Capital One. Capital One is using technology, innovation, and interaction to bring its customers great products, rewards, service, and access to unique and unforgettable experiences. 
Dozens of former CIA officers speaking out in an open letter after President Trump revoked former CIA Director John Brennan's security clearance. It follows a letter also signed by a dozen former intelligence senior leaders. The groups calling the president's actions an attempt to, quote, stifle free speech. ABC's Tara Palmieri has more. Former CIA Director John Brennan, stripped of his security clearance, now calling it an egregious act and vowing to fight back. The White House says it's not about settling scores, but many are saying President Trump is sending a strong message to his critics, announcing that the Obama-era CIA director will no longer have access to classified information, citing his erratic behavior and wild outbursts on the Internet. Former Secretary General of the United Nations Kofi Annan has died. He served a decade as U.N. chief, receiving the Nobel Peace Prize in 2001 and also drawing criticism from the Bush administration and supporters for opposing the policy and war in Iraq. Michelle Franz and ABC News. We are kicking off your weekend in a similar weather pattern that we have been in for the past several weeks. Showers, thunderstorms on the move for your Saturday afternoon highs, upper 70s to low 80s. Not going to rain all the time today, but when it does, it'll put it down in a hurry. Forecast for the day on Sunday, scattered thunderstorms and some periods of sunshine. Highs generally 80 to 85 degrees. More in the way of showers and storms back into town Monday and Tuesday. Make it a great weekend, everybody. I'm WKYT Chief Meteorologist Chris Bailey. Broadcasting live 24-7 from the heart of Big Blue Nation. This is News Radio 630 WLAP, an iHeart Radio station. I'm Steve Drury, senior pastor of the Trinity Hill United Methodist Church, located at the corner of Tate's Creek and Armstrong Mill Roads. Have you ever wanted to attend a church where you thought you were home? A place where you felt you were a part of something? Trinity Hill United Methodist Church is a place where you are a part of something, part of God's family. Join us on Sundays for worship at our traditional service at 8.30 a.m., our contemporary service at 10.30 a.m., our Ghanaian African service at 12 noon, or our Spanish-speaking service at 6 p.m. We offer children and youth ministries grounded in biblical teachings, groups for college age and young adults, as well as groups for adults of all ages. So please join us at Trinity Hill United Methodist Church, where everyone is a minister. I hope you will come and worship with us this Sunday. What's a small change that can make a big difference in your day? From improving work performance and productivity to boosting energy, Veridesk Standing Desk Solutions help you get more done and feel better doing it. Order now to fit it into your year-end fiscal budget. Find Veridesk through GSA Advantage or visit veridesk.com radio to learn more about how Veridesk can improve your workday. That's V-A-R-I-Desk.com slash radio. 630 WLAP. Chain, chain, chain. Chain, chain, chain. Chain, chain, chain. Back on the Tom Dupree Show. Turkey's crisis is not fundamentally contagious, says The Economist. Um, we were talking about Turkey some in the first hour, and uh, I wanted to get your take on what you think about Turkey uh, 
and the currency crisis that's been going on that, that kind of spooked the market a little bit earlier this week, but the market recovered from it pretty nicely. Right. So, you know, I mean, w- what happened in Turkey is what you would call, I would call it maybe a balance of payments crisis, which is hurting the currency. So a lot of Turkish companies borrowed uh, money in uh, foreign currency. So that could be U.S. dollars, European debt, mostly European debt. And um, the Turkish currency fell, uh, which means that a lot of... uh, because this debt burden of businesses became extremely reached a point where the market felt it was no longer serviceable, and uh, in some ways similar to the Asian financial crisis, if you remember in ninety seven, where a lot of Asian companies borrowed money from overseas, and then at some point it couldn't be paid back, and Asian currencies fell. So right. that's what happened in Turkey, and then recently there were sanctions uh, uh, that were implemented against Turkey, Turkish aluminum and steel, and that exacerbated it. And there's uh, other sanctions which uh, the U.S. has threatened because there's an American um, um, pastor who is uh, under incarceration. Yeah. I forget his name. Uh, but uh, so that's res- that's led to a diplomatic, uh, you know, um, standoff between the U.S. and Turkey. So... All these factors came together. The currencies dropped quite a bit against the U.S. dollar and against the euro, which means that it's going to be hard for Turkish businesses to service their debt. Uh, And European banks have lent 150 billion euros to Turkey. So now there are fears that that could lead to some sort of a contagion. Um, But uh, unlike the eurozone crisis, in 2011, when you know Greece and uh, other uh, European countries were in trouble, it, it doesn't seem that this is going to lead to you know a major crisis. Uh, here, unlike uh, European countries, there was a fundamental question of whether the euro would survive, and that led to you know panic. Uh, here, Turkey has its own currency; it's a relatively small economy. Uh, it's not tied to the euro currency and the amount of loans 150 billion i was reading one of the articles is actually manageable uh, a lot of the money was lent by U- turkish subsidiaries of european banks so they could potentially take uh, a write off and still be uh, okay so it doesn't seem like it's going to lead to a major crisis but you know we do live in a very interconnected world, which means that at least temporarily there could be setbacks when these right. scary headlines come out. Turkey, uh, sort of, uh, the the leader is a is a, a, a kind of a controversial figure. He's, he's a committed Islamist, but he also wants to feel like that Turkey's part of Europe, and yet he, he accuses the West of uh, attacking Turkey. Yes, uh, and that's been going on for a few decades. You know, Turkey has been trying to get into the EU even prior to uh, Erdogan. Uh, And part of it is just the geography, you know. I mean, even when you think of Turkey, is it Europe or is it Asia? It's kind of in the middle. 
Um, so uh, he's uh, what you would call a, a strongman dictator type figure, uh, and he does enjoy a lot of support domestically. Um, but uh, yes, I mean, since they're not a part of the EU, although they are a major NATO ally, um, you know, they are involved in a lot of ways with uh, the the West. But I, I think a lot of statements that he makes is for his domestic constituency. You know, he's just trying to garner support domestically. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know how this will end or a lot of it is just posturing at this point. But at some point, you know, uh, there'll have to be a, a solution to this. And speaking of tariffs, um, you have an article here that says Trump is right. America was built on tariffs. And it talks about America's history of protectionism. Yes. So if you go back, uh, really, since the country was founded, uh, Alexander Hamilton was the first secretary of the Treasury, imposed tariffs. Uh, Henry Clay was all about tariffs. And the reason was it was... a a very good reason. America was a new country. Uh, America's industrial base wasn't developed. A lot of products came from Europe. So at that point, in order to support domestic industries and to bring up domestic production, it was important to have some sort of protection. Um, so that would be a level playing field. You know, if you, and, and, if you study what's happened in certain South American countries, African countries, some of them have followed similar policies. Those that haven't have not been able to develop domestic industries. If you just start importing everything from overseas, you know, how do you develop a dom domestic economy? Right. So that was the thinking behind uh, protectionism when the country was founded. And since then, you know, Lincoln was protectionist. Um, uh, some of the southern uh, states were not for protectionism because a lot of southern products were imported, uh, but the north was more protectionist. And then after World War One, some of these uh, barriers were lifted, but then the Great Depression happened, and then we know about the Smoot-Hawley tariffs, which were highly protectionist, uh, and that, many argue, uh, really hurt America. But post-World War II, America embraced free trade completely, and these institutions were put in place, uh, which encouraged free trade and lower trade barriers. First, it was the GATT, which was the General Agreement for Trade and Tariffs. And then the, the next form of GATT was the World Trade Organization, which still exists. So these institutions were put in place uh, to encourage trade. Uh, and America greatly benefited from trade because America was had a highly developed industrial base. It was um, a country who could export uh, its products because there really was no match. And then in the last three decades, you know, China has become a major force uh, and uh, it's become the factory of the world, right. so to speak. Um and that's resulted in a backlash now because a lot of American production moved away to Mexico and then to China. Uh, and now questions are coming up 
again about whether trade is a positive or a negative uh, for a country. I think the theory, you know, has been proven. In theory, trade is good. You know, Adam Smith talked about it. And then David Ricardo came up with the theory of comparative advantage where certain countries have certain advantages and they're better off, you know, either manufacturing those goods or trading in those services where they have uh, advantages. But the reality of trade is that there are people who are displaced and some people who say work in a factory uh, get displaced. It's not always easy for them to retrain themselves and find another job, although right. theory tells you that you know they should be able to do that, but reality doesn't work that way. So that's really led to uh, where we are today, where there are uh, there's a large section which is uh, which is just not benefited from trade, but then there are companies uh, which have you know because corporations have been able to cut costs, uh, improve their supply chain, and they've had access to other markets due to trade. So. Uh, I don't know where this is going to lead to, but we are definitely in a period where uh, free trade is in question, and uh, right. we don't know what Well, it's, it's not so much just free trade, it's fair trade. That's what they're looking for, because um, America has been getting the short end of the stick on a lot of these things. Yes, that, that's true. Uh, I mean, there, there is no doubt that uh, when it comes to technology, you know, a lot of technology has been transferred. Uh, and China, especially, uh, the big complaint is that China forces companies to transfer their technology, uh, not just, you know, build a factory there. Um, so, yes, there, there does have to be better, uh, you know, protection of intellectual property and technology. Um, and... A lot of it is about national security also. It's not just about economics, where technology is crucial for a country to have, you know, an advantage. Uh, and one of the big fears now is that, you know, uh, because of trade being the way it has been, other countries are getting access to technology, which they, sh they shouldn't. So... Uh, the argument is also rooted in national security and not just whether it's right. economically good or bad. So, um, it looks like banks are finally starting to pay their depositors a little more than zero. Um, so what's going on with that? Yeah. So the federal reserve started raising interest rates. The first rate raise was, um, in 2015 and then the market dropped and then they held off but we haven't really seen banks raise their uh deposit rates but now we are starting to you know the fed funds rate is 1.75 percent to two percent that's the range uh and now banks are starting to raise uh the interest rate that they pay uh, part of the reason is because you know they're trying to compete to get these deposits and the second reason is that uh, because of uh, financial technology, banking is done online, so there's not as much 
investment. So the banks that are offering these high rates, Capital One and Synchrony, these are online banks, you know, your brick and mortar banks uh, or those that are not uh, just online are not offering these rates. But it's also a function of uh, the economy getting stronger, which means interest rates are rising, uh, which means that um, now people have this third option, which they didn't, you know, they could invest in stocks, they could invest in bonds, but now they can also park their funds in in banks. So to me, this is also one of the signs of uh, us being in a more, I guess, mature phase of the economic recovery. Right. Uh, And eventually there'll come a point, I'm not saying it'll happen anytime soon, where rates are high enough where, um, you know, the cycle reverses. And that's usually how, um, you know, stock markets go from, you know, being in a bull market to being in a bear market. The economy starts contracting. But the good thing is inflation is still not very high so as long as inflation remains low you know interest rates may rise but they'll rise gradually right there are fears of much greater inflation uh, there have been fears of that e- yes there there have been and for for good reason you know the economy is strong unemployment is low it's at historic lows now that there is some underemployment um but then technology is also taken a leap, uh, the new productivity figures came out and productivity actually increased, which means that companies are starting to invest in more machinery and more technology, yeah. which lowers prices. Uh, so we haven't seen that much wage growth, uh, although we've seen low un- unemployment. So part of the reason could be uh, that technology is resulting in um, uh, you know, improved productivity which is also keeping a uh, 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 lid on inflation. Right. Now, if we go into a full-blown trade war, that would be pretty inflationary because the prices of a lot of products could go up. Yep. Um, so, let's see. You got something else here. Um. Oh, the worker productivity. We'll get to that when we come back. Stay with us. You're listening to the Tom Dupree Show. It's News Radio 630 WLAP. Ladies and gentlemen, she is the queen of music. A woman is also called the queen of soul. Of soul. The queen of soul. And I know her that's going to heaven, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not a star. I'm the lady next door. Miss Aretha. News Radio 630 WLAP. Hi, I'm Tom Dupree, Jr. Our firm, Dupree Financial Group, has been engaged in the management of retirement investment accounts of our clients for nearly 14 years. My personal time in the investment business spans 40 years. We bring experience to the table in managing your retirement dollars. If you would like a seasoned and experienced manager to handle your investment portfolio, then give us a call. To schedule a complimentary review of your retirement investments, call Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400 or send an email to info at dupreefinancial.com. Also, be sure to listen to the Tom Dupree Show Saturdays at 7 a.m. at News Radio 630 WLAP. 
That's Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400 and DupreeFinancial.com. 630 WLAP. Back on the Tom Dupree Show. So, Adarsh, uh, one of the things we've talked about in the past is how worker productivity can be disinflationary. So, And we've, we've had all these forces with technology and uh, China and, and other um, players. In, there's, it's been severely disinflationary over the years with higher worker productivity, Chinese goods entering the marketplace, um, more technology being applied to the finding of oil, which has lowered the price of it but made it more plentiful. And so we, we see that the U.S. worker productivity improved again, even after so many people thought you couldn't get more productivity, it, it actually did improve again. Yes, uh well, in fact, for the last decade, uh, decade and a half, productivity has been lower than the previous than it was in the '90s. So, uh, one of the questions was, why is it lower? Is it because um, you know technology has not not taken that giant leap like it did in the previous decades? You know, I mean, think about the automobile and the boost to productivity that gave. Or uh, the internet that gave a big boost to productivity, and since the internet, we haven't seen a rapid rise in productivity. Uh, so people have ha- asked this question. No smartphones. Yes, and the, some argue that smartphones. Yeah, you know, it's it's helpful, but it's really not improved productivity that much. Um, so the last decade and a half, we haven't seen uh, a leap in productivity like we did in previous decades. But now, uh, the latest figure that came out was surprisingly positive. Uh, ho- however they measured it, I think it was up 2.5%. Uh, so um, does that mean that this is a new trend, that uh, productivity is now going to start increasing? Because we did go through a major financial crisis where companies were just not investing, spending on new technology and you know all that. But now they are starting to spend money on new machinery, computers, technology, things that do boost productivity. Technology, CapEx. CapEx, yes. Um, and uh, so if the reason why we didn't see improvement in productivity, if the reason was because companies just weren't incurring CapEx and now they are, then we can expect to see an increase in productivity, which, as you said earlier, will be disinflationary. It means that the same worker can produce a lot more than they could in the same amount of time than uh, they did before. Uh, so if that happens, then, uh, you know, we could see wages not go up 
rapidly and a lot of uh, shortages, you know, we know there's shortages in, in trucking and, you know, certain industries, mining. Um, a lot of those shortages may not create higher prices. Right. Or s- tremendously higher prices. Yes, right. But, you know, I mean, we are in a in a very good spot right now when you think about everything that's happened in the last couple of years. Um, unemployment is low. Consumer sentiment is strong, as we saw with Walmart's earnings. Um, oil prices are not that high. They were much higher in 2014. Uh, commodity prices in general are not that high. Uh, a lot of things are cheaper. You know, yeah. air travel is so much cheaper than it used to be. Right. Uh, and inflation is under control. Uh, the stock market's doing well, so that creates a positive wealth effect. Uh, so it's it's quite a remarkable shift from where we were 10 years ago. Right. Uh, so it, it's a, just a great time um, in the in the economy and there are still all these worries you know about what's going to happen uh, to the stock market how is what happens in turkey or tariffs this and that but the stock market silently keeps on moving up uh and it's a reflection of how strong the underlying economy is despite the news headlines yeah one of the things i wanted to say before we sign off here is that the dupree financial group we uh manage retirement assets primarily for dividend production and dividend growth. We try to pay out uh, from dividends and interest the amount that uh, a client will withdraw on their funds without dipping into their principal. Um, This is something that if you want to hear more about it, you could call us at 859-233-0400 and set up an appointment. Uh, or email us at info at com. So when we're discussing these uh, companies, we're actually looking at uh, the sort of the backdrop of how we invest, you know, in order to get a handle on what we're looking at. And, and so if we have low inflation, that means it's good for our clients in that, their payouts aren't being diminished by inflation right. terribly. So uh, that that is a good thing. Anyway, I appreciate you being on the show today. Thanks for having me. And um, we've been talking about uh, the economy and different uh, stocks and bonds, well, primarily stocks and other e- elements of the economy. So you've been listening to the Tom Dupree Show. Call us, if you will, at 859-233-0400 and set an appointment. Have a great weekend. Stay dry. It's supposed to rain today. It's the Tom Dupree Show, News Radio 630 WLAP.